Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CEO Cheat Sheet Podcast. Today, I have another episode for you with amazing guest, Dr. Emery from AGNW, taking the role as a president. Dr. Emery has a lot of accolades and achievements, which probably would take too long time even for this podcast to list. So this is a, an exciting opportunity for us to have you as a guest. Hello, Emery. How are you doing? Hey, very well. Very well. It's a pleasure to be here on the podcast. I'm really delighted to have you. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear what your business is about and, and how you end up having so much achievements I've seen on your LinkedIn profile. Please share. So uh, I'm HNW is a consulting firm. I call it a creative intelligence um, consulting firm. It's a boutique expression uh, where we um, run intervention for organizations, restructuring business process. Um, re-engineering, strategy, and research support. So that's basically what we do. And we've been, we've been around since 1994, trying to penetrate the global market. We have um, a significant hold in the African market, but we are trying to go global and um, extend value across the board and ensure that businesses are scalable and profit, um, profiting properly and strategies for growth and sustainability is implemented mm, that's powerful and uh, you are you going to have an anniversary of 30 years next year that's amazing it's uh, very rare to see the businesses uh, running that far at least from my experience operating within startups industry uh, you mentioned you work on the strategic level as far as i understood taking the role of the consultants can you elaborate a little bit more about what what could be the typical reason for some company to have uh, services from from your company yeah, so um, so the company has evolved over time. So it's important that I put that in, in the conversation, right? So the company started in 1994. Obviously, I'm not the founder, and um, but I'm the son of the founder, right? So I'm second generation. We've evolved from handling direct intervention to being a full-blown end-to-end consultant firm. So um, with the whole transition we build expertise across a broad, a wide range of expertise across board. So the way the business is structured is that uh, divided into a couple of SBUs, um, strategic business units that attend to a couple of business interests. We got um, an SBU that deals with measures and acquisitions. Um, we do have an SBU that deals with uh, strategy and research. We have an SBU that deals with um, scaling and marketing. We also have an SBU that deals with training support. So it's pretty much divided into a couple of strategic business units. And um, at the high level strategy where I operate, the kind of clients we deal with, our clients first has to have an intention to be global players and um, want to compete in the global stage and make a global mark. So we deal with um, clients who are private sector clearly, and we also have a couple of government projects that we handle, designing roadmaps, um, 20-year, 10-year strategic plan for government and Department of Health and Education for a couple of governments across Africa. So it's pretty much um, quite an elaborate uh, direction that we're running. Yeah, yeah, that's what we have. Even though in 2023, we are redefining our strategic direction. That's one of the things where, one of the reasons why I'm here to reposition the direction to deal with a lot more involve tech startups and deal with a lot of technology-based organizations. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So 
technology organizations is my profile. I'm curious what, let's say, software agency or digital marketing agency could change or uh, receive uh, as a part of the deliverables of uh, W consulting services. As far as I understood from, from your description, you help uh, brands get onto the global market in the first place by reshaping and restructuring them. Like, to what extent do you uh, do you guys like jump as a I don't know a brainstorming team and uh, just troubleshooting whatever happens in the organization and uh, utilizing your experience and knowledge on to how to improve that? Is, uh, did I understand this correctly? Yeah, but what I would say, yeah, very, very, very correct. Uh, one of the things we bring to the table, which is not. Um, Carbon across board is that we don't just deal with organizations. We do what they call, which is unique discipline to our organization. We call it industry design. Um, we don't, we look at playing field where in, where organizations play. We design their industries. We believe that um, organizations can have similar tools and similar expressions, but they play in completely different industry. For us, case in point is probably a Louis Vuitton brand, but we could say is in the luxury market, but the Tommy Hilfiger is in the clothing industry. But if you look at it from step back a little bit, you'll think both of them are the clothing industry, but uh, one is in the luxury market, one is in the clothing industry, but ultimately they play in the lifestyle segment. So one of the things we try to do is to redefine um, directions, um, what they call the industry direction for an organization and um, plot out their Modus operandi and the strategic direction uh, for that space. And um, one of the things we're looking at in the tech space is the fact that um, buzzwords everywhere on um, AI and one of the things of artificial intelligence and support, Chattopedia, core, everything going on, which is advancing scale, um, scaling with technology. But what it means is that if AI is in demand, that means um, OI will be a very scarce commodity in the next 15 years. So OI is what we call original intelligence, right? If actual intelligence is growing, that means OI is going to be scarce commodity. It's going to be premium in the next 15, 20 years. So we're trying to find ways to transition and also not just capture the present market, but also position clients for for the next 15, 20 years. There is a whole lot going on in this scale, but our model has always been we don't we we start up with some kind of the industry diagnosis and industry review of organizations and we understand how they are playing map out the industry for the next um, five ten years and we'll reposition the tools within which can be technology people the vision the design of the model the markets that they're dealing with processing power policies and everything we'll find a way to tie down put this in place and we'll, we figure out the next five steps that they would implement and that puts them in a position of control for the market. Okay, there's a whole lot going on in our model, hmm. right? So it depends. Yeah, it's, we'll, it's outstanding. And we'll celebrate this. So the clients we know that just we have what they call the PCC, right? The PCC model is that we what is our model, internal model. When we look at the client, we know I did the PCC. P, P is participatory. There are a lot of businesses who are just in the participatory mode in their sector. They just want to be part of what's going on, get a little bit of share, pay their bills, and be all right. 
There's other guys who in the C work all the uh, contributory roles. They are pretty um, important in the whole value chain of their industry, but they are more, a lot more beyond participatory. Um, we also got the other guys who want to be in the controlling role, who are the key key controlling factors in their industry. So without them, the industry would not be existing. I mean, case in point could be Meta, right? If if Meta organization, which is the Facebook group, is not in the social social media market, I mean, there's nothing else working. They're the guys controlling the industry, right? So there are other contributory guys in the equation. They're also participatory guys. But we define where they are. By the time we define the structure, we know, depending on the future, if they're going to position themselves to be acquired or to raise their base to buy up a company or manage up. It does a whole lot. It's a whole, it's more like the FBI. <laughs> it's the FBI desk or something. It's a lot more. Well, I make That's, it technical. I, I, I yeah. love it that way. It's, it's, the, it's the battle kind of thing because strategy for us is war, not a game. I love it. I love it. This explanation just provided now uh, opens my eyes because uh, now I see clearly that you develop strategic solutions and you just come at the very different angles. And I think it's also very helpful for the audience uh, listening to, to the description because starting from two abstract flyer, it now clear what exactly the level would be as you guys do a lot of stuff just to attain the goal. And the next question would be like, what's your uh, business and personal goal goal would be with this business? Like maybe um, long-term or short-term perspective? Yeah, for the, for the company, um, I tell you, long-term, yeah, long-term goals for organization is pretty, we've got long-term plan we set it up to be in a position of control in the next 20 years that doesn't mean that we don't have um, i'm not using clear sight the challenges for <laughs> we are going to face for the next 20 years which is um if you're ever going to control if you're going to ever going to be what we're offering can be ai is oi we bring it to the table so one of our core strengths is oi right we want to keep pushing want of oi because create the originality uh, something so that we can use technology as a tool but not as the core right so we're thinking long term and we really hope that a lot of handshake with technology and um, and ai will play a very powerful tool in redefining our original intelligence and using ai to amplify our oi so that it's a whole lot of dynamics but i hope i'm not making it difficult for you this, this afternoon uh, to understand but we're looking long-term, long-term, futuristic. Yeah, that's definitely cool. Thanks for explaining this. To be honest, I I hear the OI, original intelligence, abbreviation in the first time. And it's it, I think it's an important aspect that uh, everyone right now is getting their focus onto, is to compare the ownership of the uh, collective intellectual capital, because AI kind of belongs to everyone, right? If you think uh, deeply. And I think this is uh, one of the challenges you solve uh, that will be definitely on the radar for everyone. I can share that AI technology we use with, uh, with other clients, with our tools, it's always rising the concern about um, like, hey, what's going what's gonna to go with this data I'm sharing? If it contributes to the AI development for some some third party corporation on top of like paying that on I mean subscription or whatever billing system there are and it doesn't sound pretty fair because over the time it might compete but I think it's a subject for another conversation it's kind of a long topic and then I found a lot of entrepreneurs wanted to be carried away into that so <laughs> well maybe we'll have another time to discuss it in detail but it's very clear now what you guys are looking at with your business goal what's your personal goal that's just supporting the business or you 
you want to have a little bit more out of like taking the uh, president's role? I mean, every entrepreneur had different goals of their business. I'm just curious uh, if you can share for us on that front something. So, um, yes, first is to put the company in a place where you can self-reproduce yourself and grow. So I can step back a little bit, pay a little bit of attention to um, another expression, which I'm part of. Uh, called the Marina Group, which is trying to um, is a venture capitalist VC, an investment organization that wants to invest heavily in uh, emerging markets in Africa. Um, so I also want to champion that. But majorly, my long-term goal is to get to a point where I could step back and um, and start running boot camp for men. Okay, nice. and to um, get a probably like a, what I call a three sixty degree man who is um, healthy and um, productive and uh, influential and you know that just the whole 360 degree man that is complete and i think one of the things we're facing is the fact that uh, and this could sound uh, not patriarchy though but a lot more masculine but um which is the fact that uh, we need to have more masculine male we need to have masculinity in the male right uh male guys and, and just to drive an agenda because if you look back um 200, 300 years ago, you're going to find out that great stuff were accomplished by men and great projects, battles and um, construction. I mean, things that till today still blow our minds as regards um, um, the past. But and one of the things I want, I, I hope that um, we don't just become men, we just, our strength is somewhere behind the keyboard, computer keyboards. We can just take on bigger challenges in life and uh, make the world a better place for everybody. So that's basically one of the things I have as a very long-term goal and see how that goes. Okay, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, definitely we need some proper balance, mutual respect between everyone living in this world. And I think if all projects attain to this Commonwealth goal, that would be the best uh, future for us to unfold. When it comes to the CEO daily lifestyle, um, I can't imagine how much work you have and the responsibility on your shoulder, what helps you keep everything in balance? How you balance this business activity in your daily lifestyle? Okay, so one of the things I do is, uh, so I'm not big on physical exercises. I try to do like 10K walk every morning just to be in shape and be mentally alert. I'm not building muscles at the moment, yeah. But I calibrate basically everything about me is goal setting and um, time management. I believe that every season has a theme. I got every water I see goals according to themes and the theme of the water helps me appropriate time for uh, what I call the forward work. Forward work is what I do in the corporate world and the businesses and intervention when it comes to clients' needs and growing the business. And um, the upward work is where I also do a lot of learning and research and um, a lot of comparative analysis between industries, you know, transdisciplinary thought patterns, right? I also take a little bit of time to, um, for family, mm-hmm. family is key, it's a major part of me. And um, I think it's the, the biggest anchor that I have. So I spend and um, make our time for family and uh, push out to obviously do recreation, yeah, because that's one of the things, play golf and do a couple of other things with, uh, with the guys and see how to grow the, I mean, structure. So, but it being a little, like a work, kind of work-like balance, I tell you the truth, I'm not very good at the work-life balance. At most of the time, the work pulls a significant part of my time. I know that we're trying to see if we can get the business and the work aspect in a stable point of view so that I can get out time for other things are pretty important. 
Well, yeah, I think nothing can be achieved in this world without the proper hard working, but uh, also balancing enough not to get burned out. This is very valuable to also have confirmations for many for many viewers that either would find themselves on this in this situation. So thank you very much for sharing this. We are heading to the course action, which uh, structured in the way we cover the tools, processes you run in your business that let you achieve your goals. We have it started from client engagement, going into work execution itself, reporting and communication, invoicing and payments, accountability and data transparency. So these are main pillars we see from the perspective of service or agency businesses. And we also try to focus on the tools. As you mentioned before, and I totally agree with that technology supports businesses like never before. So let's start with client engagement, how HGNW Consulting approaches the client engagement in the first place, how you generate quotes, how you like uh, begin the work. So um, HGNW first is in the business of people, that's how we put it. What we now do with people is could be helping them out in their businesses and everything, but people is key, which is the client, that's what they are. I mean, we, we deal with people. So um, one of the things we do is that we prioritize customer satisfaction, right? And uh, it's one of the things that we prioritize. So before we engage with the clients, it's the thing at the back of our mind, but in client acquisition, client support, client services, everything we do is to make sure that the client is satisfied. Now, one of the things we do is that while we look now for clients, we also look now for clients that would help us grow. Yeah, because... There are clients you work with and they have higher expectations and demands. Uh, what it does indirectly is that it increases your performance, right? It increases your, your delivery and you become, a, you become a lot better in your execution of the project. So we, we look out for those. So, um, and um, we also, one of the things we also look out for is because we, there's a popular statement that says that the customer is always right. Um, but we know that it's not, they're not always right, but they could be right. So one of the things we do is that we show the future in one of the things we offer. We put the future inside for clients. Against beyond the level of their thoughts, we expose them to a lot more of the options in the global market and the impact of outcomes of decisions that are going on right now. So we try to make sure that they are, they are ready and they are winning. So that's in our, in our customer approach and how we relate with people, but much more than that, both the technology tools and the people we recruit that work for us, the talents in-house, it's all geared towards that. We have multicultural, multi-ethnicities in our system. And uh, non-competence is key, but relationship with the clients is a lot more important for us because we believe that um, a good client can give you a lot of referrals and that is a lot better than paying for ads and promotions everywhere. So that's one of the things we operate in. And um, that's, a, that's one of our models. What tools you use to actually execute this initial stage of client engagement? How do you generate the quote? Like, do you use just spreadsheets, then put it in a well-crafted presentation deck to be shared with the client? Yeah, so well, it's a little bit of the old school and the new school. So it's a hybrid model. There are clients who um, you still a lot of relationship driven, so you got to meet them. And obviously, you do your presentations and uh, PowerPoint or any tool that you use easy. But uh, we also have a technology that helps us manage. The, we have an ERP, an ERP solution that we use to manage client engagement. Makes it a lot easier 
for laying out tags and um, everything as with that CRM and, and running of the organization. So the our organization is um is supported by ERP software that we use. I would have mentioned the name, but I don't want to give give out promotion. Uh, for oh, it's totally fine. Go ahead. Right? Uh, go ahead. It's, it's totally fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a ERP solution called Stride. It's locally made. It's Africa and um, Canadian software that's uniquely designed to serve up the purpose of our organization. So um, it's designed around our operational model. And when we review it, we we also update, we ask them, we uh, discuss with them, we got we have that relationship with them and they help us. They also add up the new features that we're putting up and the models that we need to engage. That's we pretty much became a lot more technically enabled post COVID because we needed to engage more with um clients in a different way and um, also dealing with clients who are not just in Africa, but are in real time across the globe. That also means dealing with them, having talents that work for us that are not domiciled in a particular country. There are a couple of countries, so we've got a lot of offshore overseas staff working. So at different time of the day. And um, so it's a lot more robust, supported by technology. We're also trying to um, find ways to incorporate multilingual services so that um, even though English is generally um, recognized as the universal language. We can all, we also want to start going in the multilingual multilingual expressions that can deal more with French speaking businesses and Chinese speaking businesses and Arab speaking businesses. Uh, speaking people so a lot more, a lot down to their operation because we believe that every, as I said, we're in the business of people, that every culture uh, uh, every culture is captured in the language to find a certain level of deeper understanding in the language when you want to engage a culture. So we don't want to westernize or make it a lot more English completely. We want to come down and engage because every system has a DAA, a cultural DAA that runs in it. I want to ensure that each business brings that uniqueness to the table. And for us to bring that out from clients, we also need to come that for them so that we can pull out in it and it's a whole lot that does our model right yeah <laughs> yeah you explain really really valuable information i mean for uh, for every our listener because client engagement is a very tricky point and uh in in the business like hgw consulting it seems like it's absolutely essential to have a unique approach to the client that's i think what you're sharing here if it, even tapping into just cultural aspect of the communication which is interesting and this tool to be honest i didn't capture the full title it seems like it's 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 a complete crp how it's how it's called scrid stride stride Ah, it's it's like very close to a Stripe tool, which I know and, and you probably know as well. <laughs> so it's tried. Yeah. That's cool. So it helps you generate the quote and support your client engagement process pipeline, as far as I understood. Like so it, it's it's also letting you like, I don't know, create something inside the system, which is the, and you use like as a scope of work, right? Yeah. So the next step about the work execution, so you also kind of probably track the progress of every project of the client. Do you do this also in this stride system? This is a question number one. And the question number two, whether you collect any quantitative or qualitative metric of your execution. So project timelines can be tracked. We obviously use this, the stride ERP to track project timelines that we set out. But beyond the the tools, like we said, the technology in our position is not the core, it's just the tool to enable our OI. We have every quarterly reviews with our clients as part of the our model of institution where we um we review the operations that we are delivering and the 
the impact of the of our implementation to um, the whole global outcome, the whole outcome of the organization. So this is always like this is ongoing work. It always happens like that. So we have long term contracts with our clients and some we top project based most of the time. It's always long term. So it keeps evolving and um but we use the ERP to track project timelines. The ones that have been identified and agreed upon and said, this is the one we're running on, we, it's the, the ERP helps well, keep track and metrics for performance on the, with technology. But beyond that, we include a lot of input on the outcomes all the time due to quarterly reviews for each client, which takes reviews and review, which is about um, every quarter, like a week review of every process in every little detail of an organization's process from outcome from profiting to people to sexual orientation of the people to policies to culture, everything, everything. We believe that these things happen, that these changes do happen. Like we say, in strategy, things that affect strategy could be a new player in the industry would completely change the strategy of an organization. If you've got a new player in your industry, time is enough and um, policies and things that happen around is enough. And here we are, even uh, big money in the industry changes everything. So these are things we, we do. Normally, it, it, the way the world has always been before now is it takes an average of maybe one year to two, two years to have a major shift in uh, conversation as regards business environment. But but for the past three years since COVID, it's been more like every six months, there's a major change happening. If it's not the Ukrainian war, it's um, the BRICS, the whole dollar at the center, or some kind of anything going on. And these things have impact across board. I just case in point, I did case in point um, two years ago, three years ago, uh, the conversation post-COVID, the comp- um, COVID conversation for Virtual conferences and virtual meetings is always been there, but it got pretty elevated and it's changed dynamics of business that also both amplify the conversation of around digital currencies. And um, last year, we got conversation around virtual realities, metaverse and co. And uh, two, year, two years ago, and after the metaverse, we moved to conversation of AI and ChatGPT. Now, this, on a normal day, these conversations should have been should be spread across a 10 to 15 year period, but it's happening within a three to four uh, year period. I mean, there's a whole lot happening at the same time, right? And with the long wait, massive growth, technological, I, I mean, population shift. So last year, China was the, had the biggest population across the world. One year after, India has the largest population. These things are changing dynamics of business every day, right? What we are up, what we're putting up is we're setting up a flexible, agile model of business engagement that will support the facilitating facilities of the business environment as it facilitates across board. We always get also navigate across board. I mean, few few years yeah. ago, Tesla wasn't in the equation. A few years after Tesla, it's in the equation. Twitter is no longer in the equation. It's now X, X, 
uh, XCOP. And I mean, there's a whole lot going on at the same time. Yeah. And, um, it's it's I, like global events pushing. Yeah. Uh, they are pushing the humanity into using the technology, going a little bit digi digitally concentrated. As you mentioned, you have a traditional engagement where, where you meet clients right now. It's, there is more share of time spent inside these, uh, you know, virtual meetings and so on and so forth. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of markers that, and I think it's a great time for technology to shine because people are literally shoved into, into this world. <laughs> Uh, without much uh, flexibility, but yeah, I got, I got it. So this tried ERP, this is like absolutely fascinating. If it lets you have everything in one place, uh, this also demonstrates really powerful level of integrity. So it allows you to, for, for each consultant or every staff person to track the progress just inside the system out of which you generate these uh, timelines, uh, as far as I understood, right? Like, do, do you guys track the time to measure some quantitative metrics like I don't know John is working on the project A and you see like okay he is he is working on this now uh, tomorrow he'll work on the project B you also can see kind of again timeline chart when it's supposed to be finished do, do you have such level of yeah. transparency when it comes to reporting and communication that's it that's what's beautiful and the beautiful thing is that they have the, the software they have of um, over um, off the shelf they can buy but you can also engage to customize it according to your process, how you want it. Hmm. And that's what we did with that. Wow. So they also shaped the uh, the product they already have to work perfectly for AG, uh, G and W consulting. That's amazing. I really love to hear yeah. that more, uh, more and more businesses start to find something integral. Let me guess, you have just tried ERP. You don't use anything else? like, Or you still, you still rely on some third parties? Maybe you use Slack for chats? I'm just curious. Like, do they cover the communication aspect? For the accounting system, they're Sage. Or just backup. We have a few backups of Sophia. But uh, like I said, one of the things we did in the organization is that we are a lot more, is a, is a little bit old school, traditional and modern at the same time. So it's a hybrid. We don't want to depend solely on technology, but we use technology as a tool. So um, if technology fails, we still perform completely, right? So our mod does what we have all these physical modeling. So we do when, yeah, we, when we can do physical, we kind of depend on using Zoom platforms to engage, to have the engagement, but we always do the physical and the engagement. Like I'll give you case in point, we have a client that we're working with and, um, you know, they are pushing about remote work, goals, everything as the future. And, uh, but you know, the truth is that when we look at their environment, their unique environment for their business, uh, the bulk of their business growth is not project-based. It's not expectations and execution. I mean, if businesses are just expectations and execution there, people can work remotely, you can work from home, and you have your time, um, your project timelines and your deliverables. And the, money, the moment, to, so far you deliver, you are all right. Um, but their business model is 70% the culture that they have to infuse, the way of ideology. Now, you can't infuse that ideology if people work so. I mean, so, and there is the uniqueness of every model that we work with. So, um, so we, when we find it, we find out the technology that supports that engagement. So technology is pretty important in what we do. Uh, but um, the OI is what we, we, is the core of our operations, right? 
So we use that and we use technology as a tool, not as the core of our expression. Yeah, I, I think you're not 100% surrendering to the technology. Like, because I got to share, like, on my end, I would love technology to run everything and just have a fraction of what I would uh, do physically, like, um, in, in the rest of it. But I truly see the point when it comes to some crisis or issues coming out of the technology usage that you have to have a solid plan B. And that's uh, something I think I got from your feedback that you still have some physical uh, approach that's not completely digital. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, ne ne never heard. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. physical. It's a lot physical. We have a lot of physical focus, right? We believe that it's going to come around. If you look at patterns, we believe that the whole business environment and the world is pattern driven. So there was a time that the uh, everybody had horses and um, then the rich had cars, right? The reverse of this case, everybody now has cars and the rich have horses, hmm. right? Yep. So you, you, there are times when everybody lived in rural areas and the waterside and waterfront and they wanted to go to the city um, and live in penthouses and coal. Now, the reverse of the case, uh, the rich live in the cities, going to suburbs to enjoy natural. It, 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 the, whole, the whole thing is a pattern, right? And uh, we've seen... Um, if you study, because we, one of the things we do is that we look at the past a lot. We believe that the future is in the past, right? So we look at what happened in the past and how it's going to affect the future. There was a time it was hard copy books and after hard copy books, they started having e-copies and e-versions of books. But now the whole hard copy revolution is back again. People are back to hard copies again. I mean, there's a whole lot going on around, you know, it's in every business. I mean, in every business from... Every business, from the sex toy business, everything, like certain things get amplified. And after we start dealing with the humanity, you know, virtual people, people are looking for best ways to connect. Um, so I give you a question point. So there's this, you know, the meetup is um, the meetup um, app where people meet up. I mean, you're supposed to solve some, some kind of meetup digitally, but now it's not being used as a tool to promote a physical gathering. Right. Yeah. So you promote a physical gathering through a technology so that people can meet physically, right? And um, some industries cannot try. But the truth is that a lot of industries cannot try uh, in the abstract. So if we all stay at home, then the perfume and the cologne industry won't try, right? Because you're, you're not going to be spraying perfumes to sit down in your own house, right? The true business goes down, the transportation system goes down, the commercial rentals go down, the commute into the office. I mean, everything sets the thing reading and even the quality of life uh, when it comes to relationship with people and health. That, I mean, there's a whole lot. It's, it's all supported. So we're looking at that future, I would say. Let's not build the dependency of technology. Let's maintain the identity and use technology as a tool. Now, when the tool fails and another, another tool comes, we will still switch to that tool because another tool is obviously going to come. Beyond, the, in the next 20 years, AI will not be the buzzword. Something else is going to be the buzzword. How are we positioning for that? I put it because there are a couple of businesses that have been around. There's still no technology to support. If you want to go under the rain, you have to go with an umbrella, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is it. Okay? You, uh, there, there, there are stuff that require the physical stuff and does it complement it but now you could you can probably have a rechargeable umbrella in this technology in <laughs> IoT in and umbrella can, yeah <laughs> yeah do a couple of other things in it but it's still you have to engage directly with it so that's one of the things we're trying to do it's not a very popular conversation <laughs> right now that's one of the major challenges we're having in the business environment because um, 
our originality that the originality we want to bring to the table is looking like a disadvantage for us, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not going with the flow. We're trying to redirect the flow. We're trying to create conversations around futuristic strategies, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I like how this conversation goes, even though we've been talking about the tools and the more technical aspect. I love the opportunity to challenge ourselves thinking in the way that physical world is the actual world we're living in. So I think the most important is, of course, to realize to everyone who is interacting with the digital world, especially businesses, that it's got to be supporting. It's not going to be uh, replacing us completely. Uh, but in the end of the day, when you've been describing these challenges, I was thinking like about a few things. First of all, I got to admit, I still use some physical tools. When I'm doing brainstorming and feature development for the work layer, you know, or other products or clients, I still use the pen and the sheet because I need to write things up. I, w- I need to visualize it and communicating this in a physical matter unbinds me from, from the necessity to think about something else. It's like cognitive unload I experience. I try to do this in iPad or like drawing this diagram, but uh, somehow I feel uncomfortable. So I do agree that this is part is extremely important. But on another hand, let's say if we wouldn't use, let's say in our business, the work layer, like it also sort of like stride ERP for us, it's kind of centralized it in this way. I hardly imagine the business can survive for too long because we heavily rely on the centralized, you know, storage of the data. We need to have a single source of truth. And on one hand, and on the other hand, we also work like with people from different countries, like we have engineers from Ukraine, from Europe, and we all have different time zones. Clients have different time zones. And to synchronize, imagining it without the digital aspect of the business, I see it as impossible. But you're right about that. There are businesses that on the other edge of the sword, like they can't simply digitize. So that's interesting <laughs> uh, way of, uh, of thinking here. Just to not go too hard on this sidetrack, I also curious, one, one final thing that lies in this core section about the autonomy. And since you mentioned that one of the goals would be you stepping out and focus on some other stuff, letting like business uh, self-sustain, self-grow, thus try your P provides you some automation or some, I don't know, solution around that, or you think that it can be achieved through the processes and people. Stride is doing the best it could. You I know that every system, no system is 100% perfect. We don't know if we're going to, Stride is going to be the software of choice in the future, but for any technology or software that we're going to use, should be able to, like what we have now, automate setting of our processes significantly. But one of the things we're also trying to do is, like we said, we, we are, we're still driving, we're still driving innovation through OI, I'm using AI as a tool, technology as a tool. So we're trying to find, well, we believe that we would need to automate, systemize our new thought patterns. So um, I don't know if Stride will do that for us in the future. I hope they will do that for us, but if they don't, uh, we hope we'll to find another software system that can also help engage the future automation. But presently, the one we have, Stride is being a perfect job with it. Update it. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Because one of the agendas I have, like on the personal development of some solutions in the work layer AI, I'm probably sharing this like in the first thing, is that I believe that we can evolve through the automation onto something more intelligent, something we call as AI assistant, some entity that might not replace people uh, or their ab- ability to manage, but support them in the way that we can extract 
the most valuable intelligence out of their experience. So technically, instead of doing a redundant job, you know, creating tasks, creating timeline, like do something that software can support so we can just direct it, review the output, adjust it if needed, and get things done. So do you think that might work this way? Yeah, sure. I think it's working clearly. Uh, some some solutions like that, like, I mean, with your whole chat GPT solutions, I mean, in, in interventions right now, people don't draft letters from scratch. They give commands to AR platforms and they produce that they're fine-tuning. I think that's always going to happen. So tomorrow, yeah, it's still the model where technology makes things easier. So you don't you, you concentrate on the most important things. Like case in point, um, sorry, I'm using very mundane things to put the put up saying, but uh, some 40, 50 years ago, the washing machine wasn't um, a thing in the common man's thought pattern. And uh, 50 years ago, and um, because human beings will have to get their clothes and wash them and spread them, iron them, right? But now, your job has been eliminated. Yeah. Your job now is to um, sort the clothes and put them in the washing machine and let the machine do the work and you do other things. And I think that model is also getting to a couple of businesses where initially accountants used to have a, what they call the double ledger, the debit and the credit uh, wings of the logbook, and they put out the credits and all the, all the base, but now, and they have yeah. the calculator, press the calculator and do the graphs themselves and oscillate it. But now their job has also made it simpler, which is imputing data. And with one button, everything is simulated and it's 99.9% accurate. So I think that is always going to happen. Technology is always going to make things easier. And, uh, and I think from technology, for me, that's where I love it, is, is make things a lot easier, tools and everything. I remember way back when the business started, um, when we were trying to do presentations, PowerPoint presentations. It wasn't on systems, right? It was on transparency with handwritten markers and we put it on overhead projectors. It was quite a lot more manual, but now it's a lot <laughs> more systemized, simpler. Even words, you type them, it gives you autocorrect. It makes things a lot easier. So I believe that technology has a powerful role in the future. But like I said, I believe that that future is also transiting completely to um, the more we depend on technology, the more we lose the human touch. For instance, as a solution we implemented for a client, which was uh, where people burn out in the, in, the business, in the business and they were stressed out. And we're looking at best ways. And one of the things we did was to say, every business right now, uh, there, was, there were times, if you look at the history of the past, there were times where restrooms wasn't, don't, didn't have toilets and restrooms. Now they do have it. It's now very normal. There were times when businesses didn't have kitchens with fridge and microwaves, coffee makers. Uh, there were times it wasn't the business. But now every business uh, has it. Now we're trying to create the future, right? And we decided if the human, humans are the guys who drive these processes and they need to ease up. So we started creating <laughs> up level trying to create uh, departments and business where the same way you have a kitchen, you have toilets, there's a spa in the there's a spark in the business, right? And someone is, is employed and the person is a masseuse and works there. So um, when it, when the staff is stressed out, it's part of the routine. You look at the log and you sign in, go to the company spa within the premises and you'll get a massage, one hour massage and come up and face your work. There's a whole lot of human complexity in <laughs> Um Because what we need to do is, I was said, we're in the business of people making people more efficient through their businesses and making people who work in the business a lot more efficient and uh, making them a lot more efficient with technology, right? So that's one of the things we're trying to do. So technology making people efficient. Yep. And 
adding a feature. But the idea is a person is operator, right? Like the, the person is still operator in this picture, right? So it, it, the person doesn't lose the overall control. Yeah. So I, because I love your analogy, and it seems like it's very important to to have it. Okay. Is there any other trips and tricks you would love to share with our listeners about uh, just overall running the business? Maybe some valuable insights that is not covered by this pipeline we have just discussed. If I'm to say one biggest, the biggest game changer in the business world, and I believe makes the whole difference, is um, collaboration. Okay, collaboration. Collaboration is a game changer. I wish the business community would speak on collaboration and a lot more partnership and collaboration so that we don't have to duplicate and replicate things that are already existing and stressing out and burning out. There's a lot of collaboration. Collaboration could be collaborative but technical partners in Philippines, India, and China. It could be co-founder. But I believe that uh, any business should be, if you have a rich support of collaborators and partnership, if they are ever going to smooth in, um, have a smooth ride in this stormy environment. And for me, it's something that even theater I am, um, why I've not launched out the business because here in Australia, we're pretty new. I've still launched out anything. People still have paper trying to figure out the best way. Not as if we can just wake up and start replicating one of the things we've done back. I said, no, we need to find collaborators here. We need to find admission. We can't just, if not, yeah, you can do this alone on every face of it. So it's one thing that I've, I've seen as a game changer in every business that I've looked not as if the guys who are solo solopreneurs that end up doing something, but um, they put in a whole lot, a lot of blood and sweat. And the risk is high. Schema risk is schema risk is high. And it's something that people shouldn't risk all the time in the business environment. I totally agree. This is a strong advice. Going alone might sound very tempting in the beginning, especially. But as you grow, as you as you start gaining the experience, I think it's just unwise to ignore the existing infrastructure that might just propel you much faster. It's less expenses, either time, resources you might have. So thank you very much. This is really, really strong thing, especially for newcomers. So that's been, that's been a pretty good conversation around pretty much everything. I got to share, we've been into broad context and it will give it brand new perspective onto onto these thanks to these episodes to our viewers i think for the outro i would like to ask you one last question about what there is something that you wouldn't mind to share with listeners that is not on your linkedin profile maybe something that is um intentionally didn't put there and i will give you an example some of our other guests shared that they've been participating in the music band or uh, doing something irrelevant it just helps understand the perspective of um what entrepreneur uh, look like not being focused 100% on the business, maybe some other talents that you don't want to share, if any. So like I said earlier, uh, family is one major thing. Family is, uh, I'm big family and, uh, and I'll tell you the truth, the whole truth is that I'm still struggling to um, make proper time for family because every now and then the whole idea of business, the brain of the mind, it's a vacation, you're thinking the business, it's resting, thinking the business. Um, so I'm going to say this as one thing that the book really do not know that um, I, I'm not speaking for myself, being for a lot of entrepreneurs. Some of us are getting, becoming slaves to our organization, to our businesses. Uh, we are indirectly turning out to the slaves of the business. We're slaves of the stock market, the slaves of the business reports, the slaves of, I mean, there's a whole lot going on. So for me, family has always been my escape and um, 
And that I've not really put out there, but I'm lazy. So I'm not big on sport because if I, what I, I try to do sport, but I always try to put, see the business angle of sports. I mean, I, I mean, the creation always keep turning to business from it, business models and business case studies every now and then. So family seems like it. Yeah. I'm guilty as to almost a day to my business, but I don't want to, I want to be free. That's yeah. <laughs> Mental. <laughs> I think it's beautiful and it's it's not like sugar-coated. I, I love it because like I, I always thought like family is your hidden project. You don't share about, of course, but it's your top priority project. And um, the fact that you're, you share this with me, like it also I think will find a confirmation that any other viewers that also look at the business that is not gonna occupy everything, shouldn't occupy and enslave you into it completely. There has to be something else. Cool. So thank you very much for that. I think we covered pretty much entire agenda. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to have you as a guest, Emery, on this podcast. Appreciate the time you spent and sharing your wisdom and experience with uh, me and our audience. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you. Yeah, have a great day to you too. And good luck with expanding the business in Australia. Yeah.